All set. Big episode today. Special one with my boy, Dickshant Shreemal. What a welcome. Caro invited me last year to come on his podcast to do the one chip challenge. The exact moment I ate that chip, I regretted every instant of my life. Going through suffering is important. You're not at a minus 10,000 right now like the people in yeah. Israel and Palestine. You're at a minus three because you're stressing over your fucking midterm. People don't know how yeah. low you can actually get to. It blows my mind that there are people who believe in karma but don't believe in God. I think we're losing freedom of speech slowly. Once you start thinking excessively about what you can and cannot say, a part of your freedom of speech gets hindered. If I was a baby, and imagine like I had not interacted with society, why would it come to me that killing another human would be wrong? I see vegans and umbrella users as like the same thing. Okay. All set. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the VOV podcast, Voices of Vic. Big episode today, special one with my boy, Dickshant Shreemal. How's it going? It's going good. What a welcome. Absolutely. Whoa. So I think we should start by telling the people that you've been on the episode. You've been on the podcast before. This is the first ever repeat guest we're having. And it's also episode 30. I wanted you on for the milestone. Every 10 episodes, we try to get like like a big episode, like good quality, good guest, everything. Yeah. So I'm happy to have you as number 30. Damn, I'm honored. I'm honored. Absolutely. Number so 30. Um, before we dive into it, I actually wanted to taste test something with you here. I've been crushing. Yeah, not again. I've been crushing these bumblies for the past few weeks. My brother got me onto them. Okay. And uh, it's sparkling water. I didn't like it originally, but I've kind of acquired the taste. That is so interesting. My brother also keeps drinking this, and yeah. I tried it, and I didn't like it either. Trash? Well, like, maybe I just haven't acquired the taste. I, I got you the green can because we did the green chip last time. So thoughtful. Absolutely. Just let me know how that tastes. Okay. What is the target audience for these kind of drinks? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just genuinely curious because... People that are bored with water, I guess. Because it's literally in between water and soda. Yeah. Like, you could go for a Sprite. Or you could go for, like... Yeah, I just don't know. Like, why? When would you drink this? That's the thing. There's no sugar, though. There's no sugar? It's, it's water. It's literally wa fizzy water. I know oh. that sounds too good to be true, but that's, like, just a scientific fact. Damn, okay. I did not know it had zero sugar. Yeah. So this isn't sponsored or anything. I'm just, I wanted to start off with uh, another taste test. I'll take that from yeah. you. Because the last episode we did also included a taste test that went horribly wrong. I don't know, man. Horribly wrong for who? <laughs> for me? I swear. <laughs> did you, you had a bad reaction afterwards too. Yeah, yeah. It was you, bad. It was you bad. had a whole <laughs> event to go to. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people what it was? One chip challenge. Dive deep. Okay. Uh, let's dive deep into this. So, Kara invited me last year to come on his podcast. And it was to do the one chip challenge. It was blowing up. It was big. And I remember the exact moment I ate that chip. And I regretted every instant of my life. Yeah. It was, it was just so... It wasn't spicy. It was just a chemical f***ing... Can I swear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> It was just, bro, I went home. I kid you not. After that podcast, I was walking to Vic, to RJ. I almost fell in front of EJ. Like, I had to stop. Yeah. I was on my knees. 
Yeah. I couldn't walk any further. But I was like, no, I have to make it to RJ. <laughs> I started drooling in the RJ elevator. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, my mouth was salivating. How, how long after the chip entering your mouth was this? Uh, I don't know, like an hour, an hour, 10 minutes. Yeah. The podcast was an hour long, right? Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. Okay. But we didn't do it until yeah, later yeah, into yeah, the podcast. Yeah. I would say half an hour, 30 minutes maybe. Yeah. 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Because I remember spending some time in the washroom of robots as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I was trapped there. I'm telling you, this is the one chip challenge. Also, not to mention that there's a kid in Massachusetts that died from it. Did you see that? I saw that. Yeah. They I, banned it. It's not, you can't buy it anymore. So we can talk about it openly. People are going to try to go eat this thing, but they can't. Yeah. And that was shocking. Because that could have been one of us. Obviously, we're built like tanks. Yeah, we're in, I'm Indian, you're Mexican, so... Exactly. This is the exact same shirt that I wore while we were doing the pod. wanted to just bring it back for old time's sake. But, yeah, some kid died from it. It was the most painful three to four hours of my life, I'd, I'd say. There's been, there's been stronger pain in like a short amount of time or even a longer amount of time. Mm. You know, you deal with injuries that last like months that would that you wouldn't really be able to compare that to one chip challenge because one chip challenge is only for like a couple hours. Mm. But the intensity of the pain over those three to four hours, I. We have the video I sent you. the. Did you watch it? I, I, watch, I watch it thrice now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's got as I said, it's got four views. One of them was from <laughs> me, but it's a, it's a private link. So the, the rest yeah. has to be from you. But uh, what, what do you mean? OK, so when you say the pain, like what kind of pain were you feeling? Was it like in the stomach? Was it in your face? Like, were you just numb? So I'd have to think that our experience was similar. So you felt the face pain while you were eating it. Yeah. While the cameras were going, while Krishna was fucking laughing his ass off, we felt it in the tongue, in the face, right? Yeah. It was was terrible. My cheeks were numb. I was tearing up. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But once it settled, you know, maybe like 30 minutes after, once it really got into that digestive system, yeah. Mixing in with whatever acids are in our stomachs. I'm, I, I'm in bio, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, um, that was terrible. That was terrible. I threw up twice. Oh, in the same, like in the, um, you came to Vic and threw, you threw up in the common washroom of Margat, right? No, 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 no. I didn't do that. I, well, it was in the Robarts bathroom. Oh. It was terrible. Thankfully it was late. It was later in the day. Robarts wasn't busy. Mm. Nobody was in the bathroom while I was there, which was great. Yeah. I cleaned it up perfectly before I left. I was not going to leave a disaster. But there yeah. is a mystery washroom somewhere in Robarts that I threw up in because of the one chip challenge. That shit was, if there was video footage, if someone had a security camera in that bathroom, that would be the worst blackmail you could possibly have on me. It was terrible. <laughs> I will never do it again. I don't recommend anyone does it. Additional points to the audience if they find that washroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I swear to God. I think a similar experience. I threw up as well. I threw up like thrice, I think. It was the most disgusting. I've thrown up a decent amount of times in my life. Like, let me get that out there, right? It's a weird fact, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that day, I swear to God, I did not know what was going on. I just wanted to throw up. I remember I rushed to the bathroom in RJ and it was like a dawn suite. So like we have our own private washrooms, right? Uh, not a flex, but so <laughs> I, I run in there, right? I run in there and literally before I even am able to like come to the 
to the toilet to like actually throw up, I'm already drooling. Yeah. And the minute I threw up, a black blob. It was not even green. It was black. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. It just fell in the like. It just fell, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god! What the hell is this?" You had an event after too. I had an event. Like I was going for this thing, um, and then I I wore I wore like a traditional like Indian clothes as well for it, and my stomach was not letting me live. Yeah. Like I had to hide the pain. Yeah. But I was like, okay, if I have to take a shit now, like I don't know what I'm gonna be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was bad. The the time I spent, actually the journey from Robarts back to Margad was yeah. difficult. I was hunched over walking. It was late at night. It's like maybe the most scared I've been in university because it was <laughs> it was genuinely it was genuinely a terrible experience. I don't know how else to describe it. It sounds like I'm a bitch when I say that this is the most painful three hours yeah. that I've ever experienced. But I'm telling you, this was a different level of chemical reaction going on in my stomach. I sat in the shower. I took. I don't know if I get in trouble for this. I took one of the chairs from the common room at yeah, Margat and brought it into the shower with me. <laughs> and, and I sat under the hot water for about two hours. Oh, shit. Yeah. Dude, I know you were in pain. I was like, if you roll the clip right now of like that one scene where you're just like, yeah. you're just like going like that back and forth. Yeah. I knew you were not like, you were not having it. It was terrible. But anyways, I'm happy to have you back. Thank you yeah. for going through such pain for VOV podcast. It was for the content. Absolutely. It was for the content. One of two unreleased episodes. I talk about sometimes, yeah, we had two episodes that were unreleased. Dickshaw is one of the guests that was unreleased. Happy to have you back. Um, what was the other one? Was it Julia? No, the other one was Chloe uh, Griffin. Oh. Griffin, yeah. She oh, was right. one of the OGs, actually. Yeah. Like, before the podcast was live, she was going to be one of the original four. Hmm. And then my fault with the mics, technical uh, difficulties, we messed it up. But huge shout out to Griffin. And huge shout out to Dick Sean. Thank you for coming back. That ship definitely would make you appreciate the Burwash food a little more now, eh? Yeah. No, yeah. I think it just made me appreciate life. Life in general. Yeah. It's good. It makes you wonder what, if you had like one day to live, what would you be doing? Not eating that chip. That's good. That's fair. <laughs> what would you be doing if you had one day to live? Dude, that day, I swear to God, I remember so clearly. I just... I just, it was weird. I, I just wanted to take a shit. Like, I was just like, that's all I want to do. Like, I don't know. Does that make sense? If you had one day to live, you'd want to take a shit. See, that's the thing. I feel like that's one of those <laughs> things where people don't really think about. And then once that thing happens to you, you're like, I never thought I would do this if I just had one day to live. Like you wouldn't want to be with family or something? No, I T guess I would. Tell a girl you love her? Yeah, I think family is important. 100%. More important than shitting or no? <laughs> I think we digress, but yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> fam I don't know. Like, family, 100%. But, you know, this is, it's so interesting. Like, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and they were asking me, like, what does it mean to have fun? Or, like, they were, they were associating enjoying life with having fun. And I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? Do you feel like to enjoy life, you must have fun? No. Uh, no. I mean, an enjoyable life comes with fun. Like, fun is included. I think that if you truly had the peak experience of life, there's going to be fun in there. But I don't think that that's the main thing. Yeah, like, I feel like you're, you're right over there. Like, fun is a byproduct, but to always seek out the fun things and to always seek out, you know, going out for fun and then feeling like, 
if I do these activities, which are going to be fun, I'm going to enjoy my life more. I don't know. I just didn't. I don't think that's true. I don't think so. What what to you makes an enjoyable life a fulfilling life? Maybe that's a better term. Fulfilling life. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of. I think to be able to obviously this is like very a common thing that a lot of people also know, but to be able to enjoy the good things in life, you must know what they're good in respect to. I think going through suffering is important. Yeah. I think you need to go through a bit of like down a bit of like downhill journey in your life to yep. be able to truly appreciate the good things. Absolutely. And that's when you start to like also get a sense of appreciation. You try you because, no, I think that's something that keeps me going, you know, every day. And I've gotten into a lot of shit for saying this to a lot of different people. A lot of people, uh, when I'm going through a hard time, right? Yeah. The, my mentality towards it is that, bro, people in Syria, people in, like, Ukraine right now, yeah. people in Gaza, yeah. what are they going through? 100%. Like, how are my feelings able to, how am I able to, how am I able to justify to myself mm-hmm. that what I'm going through is the real deal? Is supposed is something that's supposed to like make me all um, make me feel bad about myself, and it's not like a thing where I'm like neglecting my own feelings and all, but I'm just like that gives me strength to go ahead. You know, I'm like if they can go through all of that, surely, surely I can go to class one morning at nine a.m. and like get yeah. things done. Absolutely, completely agree. I completely back that. Gratitude is, I believe, one of the main keys to happiness and a good life and an enjoyable life and a fulfilling life because to just sit and complain about the smallest little obstacles in your life that might seem big on the grand stage you got food in your belly you got yeah clean water to drink you're not getting bombed you're not in a war it's a privilege to even be born in this country to be in canada I think so many people take something like that for granted. Yeah. And I think it's important for me to also point out that this is like stuff that I believe in myself, right? But again, like, I just don't think it's like right for me to like go <coughs> and like, I, I don't even like try and enforce this on anyone else. I'm like, cause I can't like invalidate people's feelings. Cause I know what it feels like to go through all of that stuff. Um, I just wanted to put that out there as a disclaimer. Um, but also I think what you said about like gratitude, perspective becomes really important. Like. I feel a lot of people who have the perspective of stuff going on around their world, I think they tend to, actually I'm basing this off of nothing. I would just feel that they tend to be more happy because yeah. they know they have seen things that maybe someone might have not seen. And so they get perspective that I can definitely be like going through this and yeah. I will overcome this because it is my duty. I'll just keep doing it. Absolutely. Think of happiness as like, as a as a line let's say a line on a graph okay you have the line the zero line and it's yeah. a graph you got the positives yeah. on the upside and the negative numbers on the down on the yeah. x-axis yeah right sorry x-axis <laughs> you got <laughs> the level of happiness yeah. sorry no. let me re-say this let yeah. me say this one more time the x-axis is time yes. okay the y-axis is the level of happiness you have a baseline of zero Everyone's born on a baseline of zero happiness because you're just starting life. You don't know what happiness or unhappiness feels like. Yeah. Okay. And if you're born in a very privileged country like Canada, 
or the U.S., then that level of happiness, you're born right away. And let's say that there's two upper, there's an upper and a lower limit. Mm-hmm. And you, <laughs> I promise this is going to make sense. And your level of happiness is going to shoot up. And the, the further it goes up, the new, the more new experiences you get in life, the more new happy experiences you get in life, you push that upper limit and you start to realize there's new levels of happiness to be achieved. Mm. Okay. This can come from having kids, falling in love, whatever, making a lot of money, whatever it is, that new achievement in your life that pushes your boundary of happiness. Mm-hmm. Same thing can be on the downside. If a traumatic experience happens in your life, I don't know what it feels like to lose an immediate family member. I don't know what it feels like to lose my brother or my parents. Yeah. So my lower bound of happiness is not at its lowest point yet. I know for a fact that when one of my parents dies, then that I'm going to reach a new level of sadness that I've never experienced before. So to compare this into what we're talking about, having a bigger perspective on life, I think that a lot of people are thinking that they have a tough life and thinking that they're going through insane struggles because they're constantly near that lower bound of happiness. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of life, that lower bound of happiness is actually very high. You're not at a minus 10,000 right now like the people in Israel and Palestine. You're not at a minus 5,000 right now like the people in Russia and Ukraine. You're at a minus three because you're stressing over your fucking midterm, right? So people don't know how far that level can go, how low you can actually get to. And I think that's so, that is very like, that's a very valid point. Did that make sense? No. Yeah. I think it made sense. The thing I would add on to that is that I think it definitely is all relative. And so this ties into your concept of you're at a minus three right now, right? Let's say in, in this country because you're stressing over your midterms. I think it's completely natural to stress over your midterms. It's completely natural because that's what everyone around you is doing. That's what everyone, are, that's what everyone around you is telling you to do because, okay, midterms are coming. This is a big part of your life. Yeah. You've got to, like, ease them. And so the society or, like, the people or the community you live in becomes a huge part of like <coughs> how you perceive your mental health. And I think this is something very interesting to think about because imagine like someone who is someone who's like very sad right now, right? Why why would they be sad? They're probably sad because they they're they're not on their way to becoming who they thought they would be. They're not on their way of becoming a great mathematician or you know like an engineer that they expected. But then you beg the you ask the question like who told you to be like a good mathematician, a good in- engineer or whatever, right? And then you start to think, okay, like these are constructs that society has put on people, the immediate society that, okay, this is what I expect of you to do. This is what I expect you to do at this point in your life. This is what I expect you to do at this point in your life. And so that pressure just keeps building up. And then you just feel like I'm so sad. I'm so sad. But now just imagine taking this, taking this guy, lifting him from the society, putting him in a completely different civilization. Let's say in a small town and in a small town, in a, in a country where people are not as, not as after like making the money, they're just happy living their life, chilling, being in the farm, whatever, right? Yeah. And so now all these expectations just go, they're just off his shoulder. Or, and then they just feel like, you know, so I was doing this thought experiment and that made me think like, your mental health and the amount of happiness and sadness you feel is so highly dependent on the culture and on the society you're in currently, that if you just leave this place and go to another civilization, 
a lot of the expectations that were on you just disappear and you can just restart your life. You can just be like, okay, like now, like these are different things. Like, cause now, for example, personal experience, right? <clears throat> when I go to India, when I go to like my small village over there, they don't know that I'm fucking doing physics. They don't even know like, oh, I'm going for grad school. They're just like, did you eat today? Did you yeah. sleep well? Did yeah. you do that? Like, that's all they care about. Yeah. And that's life. Did you like talk to people? Did you like go around like making new friends? Yeah. That's it. And s over here though, like I have like people constantly around me, bro, how did your midterm go? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how's your grad school applications going? How's that going? Yeah. It's, it's all so relative and it's, and that's where I feel perspective becomes so important. That's true. That's completely true. It's interesting to think about. What do you think is the reason that like mental health problems are skyrocketing and like we were saying, these more privileged countries. I feel like the harder places in the world are not struggling with the same issues when it comes to mental health. My idea is that they just don't have time to worry about their mental health, whereas people in privileged countries have all the time in the world. But what, what do you yeah. think about that? No, I think that's a hypothesis. I could also definitely come up with like time, but I don't know. I, I also feel, so um, I think to a huge extent, like I would agree with your point that I feel it's a more it's a thing that people are observing more in privileged countries, but to be the, uh, the devil's advocate, I can also argue against that and say that, well, maybe it's just more prevalent here because, or it seems more prevalent here because it's reported more and because the media is out, like the media is there to like form these statistics. Yeah. Like we're just in a culture where a lot of things are number based. <coughs> and so like people are out there like graphing the numbers out, but like in developing countries or like in countries that, I guess it, where it goes underreported or when people don't even know if they're like, you know, dealing with mental health, they're just like, yeah, I'm just sad, but it's whatever. Like life must keep on going. Yeah. Like I can't worry about my mental health right now and I have to like worry about getting food on the table, getting yeah. that on the table. So I think like probably exists, but I guess priorities of like, are you reporting that, are you reporting the stats truly for like every single demographic mm -hmm. or are you just, or is it like a sampling bias? Right. That's a good point. Another one that it could be is a difference in religion, like a lack of religion. I feel like in the poorer countries in the world, this is just off a hunch. I'm not exactly sure mm. I didn't do the research on this, but I feel like in a lot of poorer countries in the world, religion is far more prevalent mm -hmm. than developed countries. And I was talking to Jet Alexander the other day, he's a goalie for the Varsity Blues, mm. and he was talking to me about anxiety and what anxiety is. And anxiety is essentially always expecting the worst possible outcome. Mm. And I didn't mention it on that podcast. It didn't come to my mind, but I was thinking about it more. And religion, let's not say religion. I want to dive deep into that about with you and like what you think because you're in physics, right? Yeah. You're a scientist. I don't know if that really aligns with religion, mm. but we'll talk about it more because you're a very deep thinker. And I think that you might have some interesting uh, insights on that. But I was thinking about anxiety. Anxiety is always thinking the worst possible outcome is going to take place and God or spirituality is the exact opposite force. It's always thinking that the best outcome is going to take place. It's, it's the idea that God has a plan. It's the idea that, mm. you know, be optimistic. Things are going to work out. Do you think that religion could play a role in people's mental health? Um, I think so. I think it can. Um, I am, I, I do think I'm religious. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think I want to go out there and make a statement that, oh, if you're religious, you're going to have better mental health. I don't think there's any correlation to that. But to a lot of people, I feel it does give a sense of hope. It does give a sense of, you know, um, 
whatever's gonna go down if i pay my due if i do my duties if i am like if i i'm kind if i'm good and that's what i guess all religions kind of like advocate for you know be kind be good yeah. be um empathetic to others and all of that it gives you the sense of belief that okay even if i'm not living by if i'm not doing well in society standards if i'm not like acing my exams or if i'm not doing the best in academics i can at least control my own personality and so in in the eyes of god i'll still be good yeah and so that gives people hope and i think no i definitely do feel like that i i feel like um i'm happy that like this is something i said once but then i was like i think it is kind of true that i'm just happy that i grew up um i grew up or like i thank my parents for like ke- like you know keeping me religious because therapy is too expensive yeah and so <laughs> being just like you know like feeling like there's a power out there that's that's supporting you i think gives a lot of people strength it should it doesn't need to like if you're agnostic i totally get it but i guess it's just different beliefs 100% and i didn't grow up religious at all i'm not religious to this day but i do believe in god so that's like a that's a distinction i make mm-hmm. i don't really affiliate like if you ask me what religion i am i wouldn't be able to give you an answer but i still completely 100% believe yeah. in god and um i was i was at a church the other day mm-hmm. i will frequent different churches once again because i am not i guess committed to any one religion i just like that idea of god <clears throat> and the way it was explained to me the way i've come i've come to understand god and the way that i can now talk to religious people and understand what they're talking about when they say god i really see god and the universe as like the same force as the same idea god the universe karma it blows my mind that there are people who believe in karma but don't believe in god like for me because i feel like i'm in this transitional phase where i didn't believe in god now i'm starting to get there i'm getting an idea of what it means Mm -hmm. and then maybe the end of the line is religion i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the case but i feel like right now i'm in a a transitional phase where I can try to explain to people who don't believe in God how it might make sense. Because when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading about Jesus, all this stuff is very, it's kind of hard to grasp. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, this guy came back to life. Like none of it like makes any scientific Mm -hmm. sense, logical sense, right? But for me, God and karma are the exact same thing. The idea that if you do good, then it is a hundred percent certain chance that something's something yeah. good is going to come to you that's that's god that's karma that's all the same force to me and that's the best way that i can try to explain to people what that's like but like what do you make of the difference between like religion and god because we see that there are yeah. fights there are wars that happen because of difference of religion where yeah. i think that in the end they're all talking about the same thing yeah um i don't know i i don't think i'm a person who has like any authority over like this sort of topic but when you ask me like okay what is the difference between god and religion i think i am also more inclined to believe in a higher entity yeah call it god um for sake of language that's the thing god's just the name of it yeah exactly right um so yeah i i i couldn't like really i don't even think i want to discuss about like okay like about religion versus god because it's it's just something like i don't think i want to go into like it's yeah. very broad and it's very like especially with like a lot of stuff going on right now i think it can get 100% can get on some people's like it's a sensitive topic it is a sensitive topic yeah. absolutely and i think of it 
very philosophically. I am not, I don't know if that was a controversial thing for me to say, but I'm just sharing my ideas. Um, no, I don't think what you said was controversial at all. Um, I, I also agree. I think it's a very spiritual way of going about it. Cause in the end, like when you talk about karma, when you talk about like, it, it's true. Like I feel a lot of times to believe in karma or to believe in God, you gotta, it comes with the assumption that you have to believe in certain other things or else the entire thing just falls apart. Right. You can't really like build up religion without having some sort of assumptions baked into the thing. And you gotta like assume, okay, like you have God, you gotta assume that, okay, like, Maybe karma is the way that God manifests itself, or you got to assume, like, there are a lot of different things, I feel. Absolutely. And I've said this on a podcast before, when you talk about, like, who created the universe? Was it God? Was it Big mm -hmm. Bang? Whatever. And I feel like you can get to a very scientific conclusion to believe in God. Yeah. I think that any time... Okay, you're a physicist. Let's do this. You're a physicist. What, how did the universe start? If you were not going to go down the spiritual route, like, what would your answer be? As a physicist? I would say, as a physicist, it would be the Big Bang. Okay, so what came before the Big Bang? I don't know. That's the thing. So you keep asking what came before that, and you have to get to a point where, I mean, something can't be created out of nothing, right? Yeah. Zero times anything is zero. Actually, no. <laughs> as a physicist, I would disagree with that, because something <laughs> can be created out of nothing. Okay. This is, it's very is true. it called antimatter? Because I was looking it up, something about antimatter <laughs> where they like destroy and create each other. Do you even know what that is? Yeah, you can create like, um, <laughs> there's this thing called the vacuum free energy. So like if you have nothing, if you have just have the vacuum, there still has, there still exists like a minimum amount of energy. And because that energy exists and because of the uncertainty principle, and like subatomic particles can pop into existence and leave without like, like that happens and we have observed that. Right, right, right. but then how did the energy get there? Um, I think it's just a quantum, a quantum physics thing where they, okay. So I think I need to like back all of this by saying to like, also like, I guess put it into the context of like, um, uh, I guess God and like how, and physics and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right. I think you can always keep doing math and keep coming up with theories to explain a lot of the stuff that goes on there. And so that's what we did over here. We just came up with the theories, which is like, okay, because of quantum mechanics, there must exist a minimum amount of energy, which is not zero. And that will be there. I don't understand how that makes sense. So you're saying, oh, hold on, hold on. You're, like, you're assuming that the energy existed the whole time. The whole time? Like infinitely, like, in, like, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole time. Uh, so you can get very philosophical about this. Um, have you heard of the conservation law that energy can neither be created nor destroyed? Correct. So if that's true, then like the total energy in the universe must be a constant, I guess. Oh, I see. All time. Okay. Um, but I don't know, like before the Big Bang, did the Big Bang come out of like nothing? Was the Big Bang, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It's a tough question. Yeah, like the, uh, the, I know I have a lot of answers, but I don't think I'm educated enough. Or like, I don't think I'm that's fair. educated enough in the physicist's point of view to like go out and make physical statements of like, oh, this happened, that happened. Yeah. Cause like people will come after me like, oh bro, how can you call yourself a physicist and like answer this kind of like <laughs> stupidly or what the <laughs> f are you doing yeah. and all of that sh you know? Yeah. Uh, here's another philosophical question. Let's say that we are gonna know, let's say that there will be a scientific valid proof for the origin of the universe 
in 500 years. Okay, let's say in 500 years, we figured it out. They debunked God. They debunked mm. religion. It's all science, and we know how the universe started. Everyone is seeing the evidence, and they kind of agree. That's in 500 years. You're not going to be alive, or me. Mm. Do you think that it is beneficial, knowing that these things are not going to be discovered in your lifetime, to kind of, I guess, I don't want to say delude yourself, but convince yourself that there is a higher power because the science is not going to come to fruition in your lifetime. Do you think that it's more beneficial to your life, to your existence, to just say, I believe in God. I'm not going to get disproved so long as I'm alive, so I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Or do you think it's better to just say, I'm going to hold my ground. I believe that the universe was created in this scientific way, and if they prove me right in 500 years, then I'll be happy in my grave. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel that's a very, um, that question, it's like, why do people work? You know, like, let's say, why would engineers keep working to make a car if they, if they, if they always thought that oh, it's never going to come, I'm never going to have a car in my lifetime, you know? Right. It's like people want to hope that you're going to be the one that discovers the theory of everything. You're going to be the one that's like, you know, going to work towards making <clears throat> this grand theory that explains everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so you're deluding yourself. I think that's where the delusion, um, I can't know, in a good way. You are deluding yourself yeah, yeah. to feel like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one. So you push yourself. You're like, I'm, I'm after this. I'm after that. I'm after like making this theory. You don't get there. In the, in the process, though, you make progress and someone else is going to pick your work up. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people go about it nowadays. But I think an, a more important point I want to make is that it's interesting as to why like people feel like science must be the answer to everything. I feel science is becoming a form of religion, which is not good. It's yeah. becoming a sort of blind faith. Um, people will come up to you and be like, oh, like, um, there's this, I don't like, I, there's this, I can see this happening where people will come to you. I, I agree already. I, I like, I, I kind of understand what you're talking about, but I want to hear you finish. Your yeah. Point. yeah. So I, I guess where I'm coming from, this is like, you're having a, you're having a discussion with someone they make a point of like, let's say like of how the human brain works or something, right? Yeah. And then you're like, bro, but like, I definitely don't feel that way. Like I just did something different that like literally counter opposes what you said. And then I'm like, how can you say that? They're like, oh, but this paper says it. And yeah. then I'm like, how can you, like you're literally doing the same thing as what like the cults that you like so disagree with in religion are doing. They just follow a blind piece of like text and they're like, oh, because it says it, it must be true. Yeah. And a lot of times, cause, and also like I feel the scientific community has like this sort of like, prestige that if you're not in the scientific community, you really can't oppose this sort of piece of paper, just take it for granted. Yeah. Like we did the peer review, we did this, we did yeah. all of that, it's yeah. there. I don't know, I feel like you have, how can you not question it? How can you, Absolutely. just because it's science, it's outrageous that you just believe it, straight Absolutely. up. I actually completely agree with that and I'm happy you brought that up because this yeah. is something that I haven't been able to actually put into words myself, but it's the idea of blindly trusting professionals. Hmm. This is what the professionals say. We have to trust the professionals. Yeah. I don't think you do. I don't think the professionals know fact. Nobody in the world knows absolute truth. We were talking about this. I was talking about this with Yashar. Hmm. The idea of all knowledge is belief. I don't, we actually don't know anything. We just believe it. Yeah. I believe that the earth is round. I've never gone to space and checked, but I believe it enough. I've seen proof. So I think the idea of just taking... Peer-reviewed also pisses me off. I don't know why. When people say peer-reviewed, it's always in the context of, like, you cannot debate this. 
I think mm-hmm. everything can be debated. Yeah. And everything should be allowed to be argued against. Yeah. Sure, you might get destroyed. I might be sitting here, dumbass, on a podcast being like, this peer-reviewed shit is fake, and 200 scientists are going to call me an idiot. Yeah. Fine. But I think that to just completely shut down any idea of debate is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, right? It's all about, like, acknowledging, just acknowledge. You don't even have to, like, say that, oh, this is wrong. But, like, if I'm, if I'm like, backing my argument with a paper or something, just acknowledging that, okay, this paper could be wrong, but based on that, I, I would make this argument. I think that just takes it, that just goes much further than just making an absolute statement of, well, this paper, is, it says this, and so it's wrong. Yeah, I think everything could be debated. I think there's a problem with... I think there's a problem with um, free speech nowadays. Your boy, your boy Elon Musk, talking about physics, he's bringing some of that back on Twitter, X. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about free speech nowadays? Um, I've, I think I t- I've talked about this to a couple of people. Um, yeah, I don't think, I think we're losing freedom of speech slowly and steadily in society. Once you start thinking about thinking excessively about what you can and cannot say, um, depending on like whether something will be able to offend people. I think at that point, a part of your freedom of speech gets hindered because you have to always be cognizant of what can I say and what is right to say. And I feel that does affect freedom of speech. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that any people that try to control speech or at the end of the day, trying to control your mind, because if you can't say it, you're not going to think it either. Yeah. Right. Um, so true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's a slippery slope. And the idea of hate speech, right? Like this is I don't know the history of hate speech. I don't know when that term was coined mm-hmm. or anything, but it's a it is a fine line because let's think of a society where we want to protect the people of the society, but we also want to give them freedom, right? There's that, there's that balance between freedom and safety. I don't know if you should be allowed to go out onto the streets and see an old lady and start screaming swear words at her. Like, cause let's do this, right? Like there's, there's a gradient of free speech, a freedom of speech. If we wanted to do absolute freedom of speech, then we should not punish the person on the streets that's screaming swear words at an old lady. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like the most extreme form. I don't think that should should that I don't know if that should be allowed. Should that be legal? How do you punish that? Yeah. Because then where's the line? Because so then you get to the point where we are now and people are getting in trouble for Facebook comments on on political matters that is not hateful. They're hateful by other people's standards. Yeah. What I think is the problem, in my opinion, is that I don't even have a problem with. So, OK, I don't even have a problem with the regulation of like, OK, like sure, like, you can't say these things because it's going to, like, hurt this person on a very deep level. I think what I do have a problem with on a large basis is that we are promised freedom of speech, but it isn't there. Yeah. I think that's the problem. If you don't pro- – the hypocrisy that you are promised freedom the hypocrisy, of speech yeah. and it's not there, I think that's what bothers me. If you just can admit that, okay, there are certain things that we will prevent you from speaking about, you cannot talk about these, these, these things, I'll be, I'll, I'll be in a much better pl- – I think I'll be more content with that than, like, you know, making false promises that you have freedom of speech. Right. And then – you feeling like, wait, I don't have freedom of speech. There are certain things I cannot talk about. Yeah. Rightfully so. Like maybe some of like hate speech. Like I don't think, because it comes down to moral and like um, ethics, right? Yeah. And what society would hate speech be? Like I, 
in my moral con in my moral code in my ethical code i don't think hate speech is right it's not like you if your words are truly like the example you give i think should not be happening but then that is restricting someone's freedom of speech and right. so then you're like well they can't be free to speak i think freedom should not freedom should exist but if the freedom is used to incite violence then i think like you know there should like if the freedom is used to like promote a certain type of behavior that can cause tensions within society that can cause like huge amounts of dis like uh, what is it called like distrust or uh, unrest then like you got to like start thinking about it but because it's because it's not a science and because it's very you can't have an objective answer to this you got to be clever of like how you phrase what we have like what are our rights i don't think you can say freedom of speech is like i don't think you can advocate that we are giving you freedom of speech because i think that's hypocritical right and you mentioned that we need to do our best to prevent speech that invokes violence right that would be your ideal society i think that's the society we're in now but the people who think the people who decide what violence is mm -hmm. that's where we disagree i don't think that I think they have the exact same idea as you. We don't want people to speak in a way that invokes violence. Mm -hmm. So if I walked up to you and I said, yo, what's up, Dick Shot? And I started calling you, yo, what's up, blue shirt man? Mm -hmm. And you're like, don't call me blue shirt man. That fucking upsets me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is that violence? Is that violence that I call you blue shirt man? Are you going to tell me to not do that? Is that illegal for me to do that now because I'm invoking violence against you? You find that offensive. Yeah. Where's the line? What's violent? What's not violent? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about as well. Um, I think as far as I would go with this is it in the end comes down to each individual. For example, if I'm a kind person and if someone, you know, and if I know like some of my words can offend someone, I can either be a dick and just keep on going and saying that stuff to that person or i can be a nice person and i'm like okay i'll respect that you don't like I, i'll respect that these are some comments that are, you don't appreciate and so I i'll make a conscious effort to not say that two types of people right but i feel like you can't you can't force these two types of you can't force one type of person to exist over the other type of person you're always going to have some people who are going to be absolutely like you know like they're not going to like adhere to these things they're like they'll still go and say it it all depends on you personally like wh how far are you willing to go with this and that's when yeah I, and then that's where the point comes of like okay like for example i don't think anything we're doing right now is too is quite new let's say someone in your family let's say someone in your family was like disabled or something right you wouldn't like even before all of this happened you wouldn't go out and like you know make jokes about let's say someone couldn't run you wouldn't go about and make jokes about like to your family member that oh shit like i was just running out here i was like playing football this this past weekend because you're like kind of cognizant that okay like they can't participate in that and so like it does feel like it feels like it could like upset them but now that expectation has come for us to do that to every single one mm -hmm. so now you have to keep in mind every single person's what they get offended by what they like what they don't like and then that starts like you start overthinking you're like okay like can i say this to this person can i say this to that person before it used to be more local and so you wouldn't think about it as much, I feel. Yeah. But now that it's spread to everyone, I think it becomes a bit more, it becomes more difficult. It's mind boggling. And I agree. If I called you blue shirt, man, and, you're and you say, 
hey, don't call me that. Mm-hmm. I don't like being called Blue Shirt Man. I'd be like, okay. Now, I know Dick Sean doesn't want to be called Blue Shirt Man. If I keep calling you Blue Shirt Man, I'm rude. Sure. I'm a rude person. I'm a mean person. I keep calling you something. Eyes, in my eyes. But you, it doesn't have to be anything objective about you. Right, right. In yeah. your eyes, I'm a rude person. I'm not calling you something. I'm calling you something you don't want to be called. Mm. Should it be illegal to be rude? Should you go to jail for being a mean person? Because that's where the argument comes in. That's what we're talking about, the law of free speech. I agree it's a mean thing for me to keep calling you blue yeah. shirt, man. I shouldn't do it. In my moral code, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Does the government have the right to throw me in a prison cell for that, though? I don't know if that's fair. I think if they do that, they should stop promising freedom of speech. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So. Do you think there are countries in the world? Are there countries in the world that don't have freedom of speech? There have to be, right? I don't know. I feel like it's relative. Like, yeah. <clears throat> without like, I guess, saying too much about like other countries, I, I can definitely see scenarios where some countries you're more, you're more um, likely, you're more influenced to not speak against the government. You're more likely to like not say certain things. Like those kind of uh, places do exist. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's relative. But then again, like, are they any less happy than you? Is the question. Do you really need freedom to be happy? Right. That's a good question. I truly think that there's a balance between freedom and safety. I think in general, if you look at the, if you look at the world, the freest places, maybe that's dumb. I was trying to think, do you think that the freest places are the safest? Sorry, the, the freest places are the least safe. I wouldn't say I, I don't know if I'll make like that causation, but I would I would I do see where you're coming at. I do think like sometimes the government will have to do things that restrict your freedom in order to protect you. Exactly. You look at COVID, all these restrictions in place for your safety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's where. So I when COVID happened, I was in Singapore, right? There was huge restrictions, like huge. You couldn't do a lot of different things. Yeah. Our freedom was taken away. Like it was restricted. Absolutely. No one can complain. We were like, yeah, like we trust you. You're doing this for our benefit. And I think Singapore handled it very well. And yeah. considering how dense of a populated country it is and other places where freedom is like put on such a high horse that, yeah, like we have freedom. We have this. We are free to do this. Who are you to tell me you are restricting my freedom by not allowing me to go grocery shopping today? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. I think too much freedom is bad. I don't think too much freedom. I think there's a balance. I think you're right. If you're too free in a society, like, okay, you can be totally free if you're living in the woods or something. That's totally fine. But if you're too free to do anything in a society, I think it does become harmful. Because then your freedom will affect everyone around you. Right. And this is another discussion that we had. Where I'm learning in personality psychology right now mm. about individualism versus collectivism yeah. between different cultures, right? Like you yeah. the USA... Canada, these Western places, they're very individualistic. And then East Asia, Asian more so is collectivistic. And when you think of the idea of do you have the right, does a government have the right to restrict a person's individual freedom for the greater good of the country? That is exactly what Canada and the U.S. did during COVID. So to claim that, I think that's why people had such an issue with it. You say in Singapore, they didn't care because that's a collectivistic culture Hmm. right everyone's doing things for the benefit of the greater society for the country Mm -hmm. in canada and the u.s though it's an individualistic culture personal freedom is the most important thing so to sit here and say we are gonna mandate vaccines to protect the country 
I'm not saying that that's a terrible thing. That's just a a collectivistic view, right? Yeah. And people will freak out saying that's terrible. Once again, it's a it's a philosophical argument. Mm -hmm. The country is an individualistic country. I understand why people didn't like mandates in that sense because it, once again, individual freedom is the main thing. Mm -hmm. But you say that too much freedom is bad. Is that because you think you were raised in a collectivistic culture? Do you think that you've seen more benefits from collectivism than you've seen from individualism? Well, I think you can definitely have a lot of freedom in collectivistic cultures as well. I don't think like freedom and collectivism is like they cl- they don't clash. I don't think they like intertwine. Like if you're okay. if you have too much freedom, you have to be an individualistic culture. Got it, got and it. if you have like no freedom, that means you're collectivistic. Like I don't think it's like yeah. I don't think that's the spectrum. Um I mean, I the only reason I feel like I mean, if you just think about it, like, if you have freedom, if you have the freedom to do something, you can go, you can go commit a crime. You can go, like, you can harm someone. You can, like, do right. anything in the name of freedom. Like, I am free to do this. Sure, right. you'll get thrown in the jail. I mean, that's an, an, an interesting point. If you're free to do something, then why do you go to jail for it? True. Like, where does the law come in? Where, like, how, are, how can you have laws and still say you're free? That's a good point. You know, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I've struggled with this for a long time. As I said, I was, I'm learning more about God. I'm learning more about religion. Mm. I was at church last Saturday and they talked about one of the issues that I'm struggling with the most right now. And it's the balance between justice and forgiveness. That mm-hmm. is justice and let's call it forgiveness. I think that there's a different word, but um, it's, it's tough. Like, why, where was I struggling with this? I find it hard judging as well. I find it hard to not judge people who are bad people, but the church, as far as I understood it, was saying that you do need to forgive and forgiveness is important. I have a, I have a hard time with that. Like you're saying, you need to restrict people's freedom. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that some people are better than others. Well, okay, I, I don't think um, you need to restrict people's freedom. Like, I don't think that was something I want to like, that's not something I, I that's well, not no, I mean like yeah. restricting them to kill people, I think is completely fair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't just kill someone and not punish them. That's my point about justice versus forgiveness. Yeah. 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 If someone kills another person, I don't know if they're worthy of forgiveness in the sense that they should probably spend their life in jail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where's that balance? Like, I'll ask you the bigger question. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to get to is that, do you think that we're all human beings at the end of the day and we deserve forgiveness? Or do you think that others, there are good people and there are bad people and good people are better, more valuable to society than the bad people are? I think that's the key point to society. Like to society. If you're saying not to God though. Yeah, no, I feel like in the end, like I think a lot of the claims you're making it comes from the fact that we're living in a society because mm-hmm. definitely that's what they want you to think that good people are more valuable to society that's how a society will run because they want a society cannot run if it's full of bad people right and so they promote good people and so the good people make it to the top or they claim that oh this person was so good so altruistic they did so much for society they gained so much respect as long as you're living in a society the concept of good and bad makes sense mm-hmm. but if you're not in a society if you're just by yourself if you're in the forest you're killing an animal to feed yourself Mm-hmm. replace that animal with a human you're killing a human to feed yourself cannibalism if you don't have the concept of well is it really is it really 
again, like moral, moral values come uh, hugely from society and culture. Like if I was a baby and imagine like I had, had not interacted with society, why would it come to me that killing another human would be wrong? I don't that's think it a good would. Point. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. And so do then you think, do you, you don't think it would, you don't think there's something innate in us that makes us not want to kill our own species? I don't know. Um, I don't think so, but obviously I'm not also like capable of making any judgments on like I can't. I mean, we've, we've just been talking yeah. shit this whole podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Philosophical, just ideas. Yeah, yeah. Like um, we can go at it from a purely biological perspective, evolutionary mm. perspective. I don't think that it would make any sense for humans to evolve to murder each other. Mm. You know what I mean? That wouldn't be a very strong species. They wouldn't last very long. Yeah. I think there'd have to be something in the genes, in the DNA that says he looks like me. He's not a lion. He's not a tiger. I'm going to try to not kill him because maybe we can cooperate. Where does competition come in? Because when you have competition, you want to kill each other. That's true, you too. Wanna, that's how you survive. That's the survival of the fittest. Good point. And so you can always like, you can always like bring pros and cons. But I think the main point I wanted to bring out with this is that it all depends on the society you're living in. Yeah. The morals you have, the good or the bad. Do I think some people are good and some people are bad? In the context of society, Yes you will always society wants is society is an entity and this is kind of scary bro i think about this way too much how are we just living in the society not questioning anything society is doing like if you think about society as being an entity that really is controlling every single thing you do you going to university as much as you would like to think that was your decision no it wasn't it was society society told you to go to university i completely so you agree went to the university that it was society yeah like it's literally just yeah like you are your freedom is a lot uh, hugely determined by the society you live in or your thoughts even yeah. which is like i'm not i'm not like fighting against it i'm like i've accepted it like yeah it is what it is it is there i don't think i i, I don't think i'm in the place where they even make even say if it's good or bad i think acknowledging it just gives power so just knowing that okay a lot of these things are out of my control yeah but rather they're in society's control which is an even uneasy feeling for me an even a more uneasy feeling for me when we talk about society on a grand scale like just like the term itself society the reason that because there's a lot of people the first time i was ever hearing of the word society and the term society it was like people complaining and people like bitter at society they mm. were like blaming all their problems on society yeah the reason that i think society like there's nothing wrong with it like we're talking about how society influences our thoughts mm. i don't see this as a bad thing at all because who's there's no one to blame this is just how human beings have worked out a way to survive and build cities and countries and all this type of stuff there has to be a society uh, that's my thing is that if it was truly such a terrible thing the only way it would make sense to be mad at society is to have someone to blame i don't think that there's really people in charge once again on a grand scale for controlling all of society we can talk about on like a smaller scale like laws and government and all that type of yeah. stuff no but, but that's when i feel it gets dangerous i think that's even more dangerous if what? you had someone to blame it would be so easy right but it's because you don't have anyone to blame it just becomes so hard like you know it's controlling you but you don't know what to do about it for example i think um it's not a relevant example but think about yourself right if you lose an a materialistic object if you lose your watch if you lose your phone if you lose anything you know you have lost it yeah. But if you, when you start losing yourself, you could go years without even realizing that you've lost yourself. You wouldn't know one day like, Oh, I've lost myself. Mm. And so because it's like this thing that you don't, 
there's not a thing you can point at and say that, oh, like I've lost this. And that's what I think it happens with society. There's no one person. And so it's not easy to blame anyone. And I'm not saying, I agree with you sense in that people blame society and all. I, I'm not blaming society for anything. I just think it's important to acknowledge it that, okay, like it is there. Like it's an entity. It's not an individual, but it has a huge, it's something. Yeah. It's something to think about. Like it's, it's like, it's, it's like one of those sci-fi things where like no one really, kno- it's like a dystopia. No one really knows who's controlling it, but it is, it is controlling you. It is being controlled by people. We make right. up society. We are part of the entire process. Right. I think that, yeah, that's true. I think that this reminds me, this makes me think of like childhood. When you say like losing yourself, I think the purest form of who you are is in this context is the version that has been least affected by society Mm. and what version of you would be least affected by society it'd have to be the youngest version of you right Mm -hmm. when you're three years old you haven't had enough time for society to really impact you and the way you are because you're a toddler right Mm -hmm. i don't know if you'd agree with this but for me i feel like people I see childhood as kind of like a Band-Aid. And as you age, as you age, there's more and more temptation that you're going to have to rip that Band-Aid off soon. Because if you just try to stay in this childhood Mm. state of mind for your whole life, you're going to end up a miserable weirdo, right? In society. In society. To just always try to keep that wonder. You know what I mean? Like kids are innocent. As a child, you're innocent. You see the world as something so magical. And then you grow up and realize it's really nothing crazy. Like Maybe in the sense yeah. of the way a kid would see yeah, it, you yeah, know what I, I mean? I, there's obviously still amazing, wonderful things yeah. that happen in the world as you age, but you lose that sense of wonder. You know, you lose that innocence. And I think that once you accept that, once you accept that society is controlling what you do, what you think in some instances, I think the only way to kind of, achieve any sort of calm is to just accept that and play the game I and think i'm gonna embrace this and i'm gonna see how i can achieve the best possible life within the society i think people who are constantly combating society trying to distance themselves from it end up miserable because you can't escape there's no escaping and i'm not saying once again i'm not trying to say society is even a bad thing i'm playing into it yeah same i think people at this school you have to be playing into it if you're trying to get a degree get an education get a good paying job whatever you're doing yeah by doing so you are playing the society yeah absolutely yeah and i think that the only way to feel comfortable with it is just accept the fact that it's a reality of the world nothing's going to change deal with it and see how you can work within that you know what yeah. i mean yeah well i agree i think like that's how like a lot of people that's the calm and the solace a lot of people give themselves. Totally valid. I agree with that. I, I do that as well. It just makes you wonder, though, like, what kind of... Do you think... and Because this is one version of society. Like, even on this planet right now, there's so many different societies that exist. Yeah. People do things differently. We find other societies, other cultures weird. Yeah. Because, well, the way they eat or the way they, like, talk or the way they do certain things, right? Yeah. And so people who are living in those different societies are experiencing life differently, are living world differently. And so it's nothing about like, and you're right, society will always influence the way you do a lot of things and it's totally fine. Um, well, I guess it depends who you are. If you're like, 
if you're very philosophical and if you want to fight against it, you're totally welcome to go and fight against it. That's yeah, maybe that's, that's like your way of having an awesome yeah, life. You know, that's what I mean? your way of like feeling like you have a purpose in life that you're rebelling against this right, right, right. thing that is enforced on every single human, but you're different. You're the one who's going to rebel. There you go. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's always opportunity. You're kind of rebellious. You don't eat animals. <laughs> so rebellious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I wanted to bring this up at the start of the episode. Burwash is f***ing me over. Burwash dining hall is f***ing me over because they put the vegan, like, letters they put the vgn symbol mm. on all the food now that's not anything to do with animals and now i'm confused because i go for potatoes and it says vegan potatoes i'm like i didn't know if potatoes were fucking had anything to do with animals at the start <laughs> yeah. so i try to i try to avoid anything related to vegan shit because i don't know what type of chemicals they're tossing in that and i, oh. I don't want to be like yeah. affected but <laughs> I see this is uh people are gonna get mad at me. Controversial take. I see vegans and umbrella users as like the same thing. What do you mean umbrella umbrella users? Like people that use umbrellas. Okay. Like these, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> explain. Yeah, it's just like a signal of of um of like wanting to be a weak human being. You would go in the rain without an umbrella? Yeah. Okay. Think of think of the animal kingdom. Okay. Think of the weakest bitch animals that exist. Okay. Herbivores. Okay. Gazelles and shit. Hippos, very weak. Elephants, They're vegan? very weak. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now I look like an idiot. But lions and shit. The predators are eating meat. Okay. So I don't want to assume the role of the gazelle in the human space and become a prey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I get that. Okay. This didn't play out exactly how I thought it would. But no, like, let's still have that argument. Like, yeah. let's still have that discussion of, like, what would have happened? Like, what is your point? I just don't want to be a gazelle. Okay. That's it. And you think, <laughs> you, think, <laughs> you, think eating, you think eating meat will make you not a gazelle? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you're at the top of the food chain right now. Who's going to prey you down? Who's going to hunt you down? The competitors, as we were saying before. Other humans? Yeah. So wouldn't that be cannibalism? Then you would want to eat other humans? <laughs> I was going to say they're going to eat me. I just thought that they would be like, you know. Well, I don't think that I'm going to get killed. Mm. But there's like, there's levels to this shit, right? As we were talking, like you can get intimidated by another person. Mm-hmm. I feel like you become an easier target without meat in your body. Because, like, I mean, look at, look at the <laughs> elephant, bro. The elephant's a fucking... Gee, he's like at the top, like the biggest mammal on earth. He's fat or like as fuck, though. The, not the biggest mammal, the biggest land mammal on earth. You think a lion's gonna come and like jump an elephant? Probably not. Yeah. Shout out to the elephants. Yeah. Anyways, it's been a good episode, my man. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you coming on. No, this was really fun. This was so fun. It was a, a lot deep of good conversation. Stuff. I think people will learn from it. Do you have any final thoughts you like to share for the podcast? We're going to have to get you on again. I didn't ask you anything about like Dawn secrets and shit oh. that you could expose. Bro, they warned me against this. They were like, bro, be careful. Cara's going to ask you these things. But yeah, Dawn secrets. <laughs> yeah. I told them I was going to like try to trip you up here and there, but we didn't get to it. Oh, Talked no. a lot of deep topics. It was good. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. I think, I just hope I don't get canceled. That's it, bro. Nah, bro, you'll be good. Yeah. If you had to recommend one Don to have on the pod who will leak like all the secrets, who would it be? 
who will leak all the secrets. Yeah, like all the Dawn secrets. I know you guys got like a book of secrets, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Who do you... I would think like... I've already had... Oh, you already had... I was going to suggest... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think people are... We tried our lines carefully. That's good. We tried carefully. What about getting Kelly Castle on the pod? You should. Would she leak anything? Um, you can try. If you if you can get her to leak something, man, you're like, you're OG. Professional. Spotify got to put you on a deal. I'll get kicked out of the pod. Uh, kicked out of the school. Kicked out of Victoria College. That's okay. You can go to New College and start there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> new life. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, bro. Appreciate it. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share to the people? No, like subscribe to VOV. Amazing stuff going on here. Um, I think you're doing like really like it was, it's incredible, bro. I'm like so happy with like the stuff you're doing. It is so, so refreshing to have this sort of like content that Victoria students can like look at or like not even Victoria, anyone. And you also bring on people from like not necessarily Vic. Yeah. So it's really amazing. And the Thank setup you, and the amount of work that goes behind this is crazy. Like you don't see the setup, but it's, it's huge. The guys put in a lot of work. So subscribe if you like the content and yeah, comment something good. Thank you, bro. Everybody, that's episode 30, big milestone. We have Dickshot Shreemal. What a G. What a great episode. Liked the interview. It was very thought-provoking, one of the most thought-provoking ones we've had so far, and it's good to get you back on the podcast. An OG season one guest that we had to bring back this yeah. year. Roll some clips of the One Chip Challenge, though. This I'll, try, I'll try to pop a few in. Yeah, yeah. that'll be so funny. Everybody, thank you for watching. Follow the Instagram and TikTok at Voices of Vic. Subscribe to the channel and we will see you next Sunday. Peace out.